Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode three of Hawk Talk with Easy and the Beards. I'm Easy. I am beard number one. And I'm beard number two. Thank you for joining us. Today we have Gigi Smith on later in the episode. Stay tuned for that. A great interview, a lot of insight from her and a little bit about her background and where she came from and her time here. Throws it to Ewing. Ewing surrounded. Two seconds to shoot. He drives. He shoots. He missed. He missed. He missed. We were in the bell, baby. Ding dong. The witch is dead. Takes the ball at the 30. He's hit and got away. Back up field at the 35 to the 40. He's in the 45. He's the Like I said, this is episode number three, so we'll go ahead and get right into stuff and kick things off with a little bit of recap on uh, UNCW baseball the last week or so. Mike, go ahead. Well, uh, you know, not the ideal time to be talking baseball here. They're on a four-game losing streak here. After we talked to you last week, uh, they had lost the second game of two against Coastal Carolina. William & Mary came to town, and a a couple of close games, one game not so close, but Seahawks were swept at home for the first time in conference play since 1998. doesn't happen a lot at Brooksville. A CAA team comes in and takes three from the Seahawks, but, um, you know, kind of the same stories has been all year. They're sitting at 15 and 14 overall on the season, three and three in the conference. You have some pros, you have some cons. If you can clean up the mistakes, you know, you'd see the difference in the game, but that's just what it is right now. Sometimes they're not hitting. Sometimes the pitchers are missing their spots. Sometimes people are falling asleep on the base pass or in the field and a couple of errors here and there. And that's the difference in, a, say, a two to three game on Friday and on Sunday. Uh, so probably a pro here. The game uh, midweek this week, supposed to be at Campbell, got rained out. That leaves them going to Kennesaw State on the weekend. It's a non-conference, the last non-conference weekend series for the Seahawks. You know, they're going to have all their arms available for the weekend here. So it'll be interesting to see uh, who gets used and where. This is the last chance to really kind of solidify that weekend rotation. I'm thinking maybe we'll see some changes in there. I, I could be wrong. Who, who, who knows? Uh, after that, we're back in North Carolina. It's a five-game week for them upcoming. Tuesday, April the 9th, East Carolina comes to Wilmington. That's always a good time. Wednesday, April the 10th, they go to Campbell. That was the game that was supposed to happen this week. On the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, April 12th, 13th, 14th, Northeastern comes into town. This was the uh, number one team in the CAA last season, so this could be a big series here in April. And then one more big game on the next Tuesday at home, Brooksfield, North Carolina State University. They're a top five program right now. Okay. What uh, The William & Mary series, though, you think, honestly, William & Mary's kind of a legit contender this year, right? So, I mean, it wasn't that out of the ordinary for them to get swept, right? I mean, was... Well, I mean, I, I think it was out of, the, out of the ordinary to get swept at home. Like I said, that hadn't happened in, you know, yeah. two decades. Uh, so usually the Seahawks are a top contender and, and defend their home field pretty well. Uh, again, it was two close decisions. It was two to three on both Friday and Sunday. Luke Giselle had a great outing on Friday, had a no-hitter going into the seventh inning, and that's kind of when things unraveled. And uh, the Seahawks just couldn't do enough to keep that lead or regain that lead in the ninth inning. Uh, on Sunday, again, just a couple of blunders here and there, really base running blunders and errors cost them. It, it, you know, the score should have been the other way or it really should have been, you know, like a 2 nothing shutout for the Seahawks or something like that 
on, on Sunday. Saturday, kind of pitching got him in trouble. Brody Lawson, uh, we talked about him last week as the CA Rookie of the Week, did not follow that up with a, a solid performance, and he kind of got the Seahawks down early. Don't want to put it all on somebody's shoulders. You can't win a game by only scoring one run. But uh, the Seahawks got down early in that one and just, again, couldn't claw their way back into that one. So kudos to William and Mary. You know, let's not take anything away from them. They're, uh, you know, as far as their overall season goes, uh, you know, they're probably looking like one of the better teams in the league. So likely the Seahawks will see them again in the postseason tournament. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been nice. I mean, trying to look at some, you know, glass half full. I mean, Kep Brown, he's emerged as a great hitter. I mean, now he's leading the team in RBIs and home runs. So, Yeah, no doubt about it. Kept started the season kind of struggling a little bit. You know, didn't really have that same form. I mean, you know, his batting average still not probably where you'd want it to be. Um, But like you said, even in those losses over the last couple of weeks here or last week so, uh, he's been hitting the ball pretty hard and, and scoring some runs. Yeah, I know they've been kind of waiting for that to happen, so. And Luke continues to look every bit the Friday guy, huh? Yeah, absolutely. He's he's definitely a guy that's solidified in that role. Um, he's looking all the part. If just his you know his defense would back him up a little bit better, uh, you know he'd be sitting at probably four and zero on the season. However, he's sitting at one and two. I know not too many people throw too much into a pitcher's win loss record because it's more than just what you do out there, and never more the case uh, as a clear cut example as this one right here. Yeah, and they got a couple guys that are approaching that. 10 errors on the season. I know as a team, it seems to be something that continues to kind of bite them, huh? Yeah, it's, you know, we're, I don't, I guess we're probably close to the midway point of the season here. I mean, you're 30, yeah, I mean, 29 games in, so you're, you're more than halfway through the season. I know the roster's young. There's a lot of freshmen and sophomores on the roster, but it's about time to start cleaning some of that up. So, uh, you know, heard, heard Coach Scaff's post game on the Sunday after the two to three loss. And again, there was, uh, a couple of glaring base running errors and, and a glaring error out in the field. And without those, it's a whole different game. So, uh, again, kudos to William Mary for taking advantage of those errors. And, and the, you know, the Seahawks did not take advantage of any of the miscues that William Mary made. So that's the difference in those ball games. Absolutely. So uh, we jump into a little bit of UNCW softball. I know uh, we kind of recap their last series against Elon. I know they lost game one, two to one. Uh, Haley Lenderman ended up taking that loss, I believe, and only gave up two hits, but one of them ended up being a home run, so it kind of cost them there. Um, game two, they won, actually six to three. Uh, they started off hot in that game, scoring four runs in the first inning. Uh, Laurel Koontz, who uh, is 4-0 on the season, filled in for Riley Pate after one inning. I don't know, did, did Riley get hurt, or is that? I'm not sure what happened in that game there. But, um, yeah, she came in. And pitched well, and uh, she's already uh, surpassed her career high for strikeouts in a season. She's currently at 19, so you know she she'll probably end up finishing the season shattering that career high. So going forward for her, that looks looks like a positive overall. And then in Game Three, Lenderman ended up taking another loss, um, her second of the series, obviously. But in that Game Two, she ended up pitching good, if not great. Only gave up one run, but that one run ended up being what decided the game. Um, and her two starts over that, that series, she only gave up a total of three runs, but didn't get much back from uh, her offense. So um, summarizing that, I mean, overall, how's the team looking from a, 
a season standpoint. Well, you know, we were talking about Luke Giselle and, you know, tough go of it for Haley Lenderman this weekend as well. You only give up three runs in two games and you're on the hook for the loss in both of them. You know, on the flip side, the Seahawks could only could only muster one run in those two games. So um doesn't take a, a math whiz to realize you got to score more than one run in two games to, to win at least two of them, you know. So um, tough go of it there. Uh, Seahawks sit at 3-3 three and three now in the conference, about midway through the table, as does Elon after that series. Uh, Drexel's up this weekend. It's a big series for the Seahawks here in Wilmington. Drexel's sitting at 5-1 and one on the season. Next week they travel to another powerhouse here, James Madison. That'll be April 13th and 14th at James Madison. And then following that up at Coastal Carolina, uh, another rain makeup here coming up Tuesday, April the 16th. Yeah, hopefully the bats can come alive in those games because, like, like we've been saying, I mean, the pitching's been pretty good. Yeah, especially Haley. I mean, she's been... When she's on, she's on. She's been lights out. Yeah, she's. I mean, you said here. I mean, with Drexel and James Madison coming. Uh, with J- Drexel coming in town, going to James Madison. You know, the pitching's gonna have to be on point. You're gonna have to keep up, <laughs> only giving up those one and a half runs a game or so, and uh, you're gonna have to score. Uh, no doubt about it. So, uh, teams like that come in and they want to run rule you. So, you can't let that happen. Certainly not here in Wilmington. And you gotta stick up for yourself there on the road at James Madison. Absolutely. Uh, Avery, you want to jump in a little bit of men's tennis? Thing? Yeah, men's tennis. This well, the last series that they just played, they swept them, and they won six to one versus South Carolina State, won seven zero versus Drexel, and then won five two versus James Madison, and just dominating CAA play. Yeah, I know they ended up taking they they ended up sweeping the awards for uh, the CAA, I believe, also over this past week with. Austin Hussey continues to be one of the best men's tennis players in the CAA, if not in the country overall, to be honest with you. Obviously, I, I don't think he's ranked where you would say he is one of the top players in the nation, but overall, this young man has continued to dominate, especially here at home. But uh, as a team, the, the men's tennis team, they're, they're starting to kind of find their stride now. They Like, like Avery said, they, they swept over, over the week. As a team, they sit at 9-8 and eight overall and 3-0 and oh in CAA play um, after they destroyed South Carolina State, Drexel, and James Madison. But um, Austin Hussey, again, was named CAA Player of the Week for the third time. Um, the doubles team that's made up of uh, Daniel Groom and Michael Copeland notched doubles team of the week honors. And uh, as, as two-time defending conference champions took home both honors for the first time this spring. So... Overall, as a team, they, they continue to do well. And speaking of those overall rankings, I believe Hussey's ranked number 106 in uh, the latest Oracle ITA NCAA Division I men's tennis rankings. So uh, kudos to him and shout out to those guys for how well they're playing. Yeah, they're hitting their stride. And like you said, they're two-time defending conference champions. Uh, the season's winding down here this weekend. They're at East Tennessee State University. That is not a conference game. Uh, but then they come back home on Friday, April the 12th. They host App State. Again, not a conference game. And Saturday, April the 13th, against Virginia Commonwealth, former CAA opponent. And then after that is the CAA Conference Championships. That's April 17th through the 20th. And then, uh, yeah, after that, <clears throat> jump into a little beach volleyball. I'm sorry. I know they, uh, 
Let's do do tennis first here. The women's oh, tennis. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, women's tennis as well. I know they just recently finished today, I believe, right? Yeah, they since uh, let's see. So on the women's tennis side, since last we talked, uh, they also took on Drexel the same day the men did. Uh, they didn't have quite as such an easy a time as the men did. They did eke out a victory though, four to three, against Drexel. And then yeah, just today we're recording this on Thursday. They were at George Mason, blanked them four nothing. Uh, so they, uh, they're on a bit of a win streak here as well. This weekend, they're at Towson, at Hofstra, and then they come back home Friday, April the 12th versus UNC Charlotte, and then the following weekend is the CAA Championships. Yeah, the Seahawks, they've won their second in a row to improve 7-9 this season. Uh, UNCW was playing GMU for the first time since 2012 and pushed its career record against the Patriots to a committee 21-2. It's a pretty good record. Maybe they should play George Mason more. Yeah, every every game. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, jumping into beach volleyball there, I know uh, kind of got beat up on the road and uh, at Georgia State down down uh, in Georgia. We kind of give a little summary of that or where they stand as a team now overall. I know their season's actually about to wrap up pretty soon too, if I'm not mistaken. Or yeah, I mean, I guess you know. As we talked about with Gigi, you'll hear that in a second. I mean, there's only, it's only, you know, so many days left in the semester. So, uh, like you said, last weekend they, man, unfortunately for them, they got swept in four matches. Uh, t- they lost two to three to Tampa, two to three to Georgia State, uh, lost one to four to Arizona State, and two to three to UAB. Uh, you know, three matches there that were. You know, where one match was the difference. Uh, They're off this weekend, but then their last uh, regular season tournament is down in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, They take on Tulane, College of Charleston, Missouri State, and, of course, the host, South Carolina. So that's the last regular season tournament before the conference tournament, which is not CAA. It's a a, uh, different Division I conference for women's sand volleyball. I know they're they're probably looking to kind of maybe – turn some things around in that tournament if possible. I know, I believe this is Maddie Klein. This will be her, that will be her last tournament as a UNCW Seahawks. So I know uh, she'd like to go out on top there. Jumping into track and field. Um, men's track and field. They have a event coming up actually in Greenville at ECU uh, tomorrow, actually, today's Thursday, so the 5th, they have their event this weekend coming up at ECU. Um, The women's track and field, I believe, also have an event coming up here this weekend. They also travel to ECU, yes, so both men's and women's will be at that event this weekend um, at ECU. So uh, if you want to take the trip up there, Go ahead and support UNCW track and field. Not many good reasons to take a trip up to Greenville, but uh, to support the Seahawks maybe is one of them. <laughs> Definitely. And then next weekend they go up to Charlotte. I mean, maybe a little bit better. <laughs> it's not Wilmington, but you know. Or, you know, you can take the trip. The men's and the women's golf team are down in Clemson this weekend. So, uh, again, I guess by the time you're hearing this, unless you have a DeLorean that goes 88 miles per hour, you are going to miss those events. (laughs) But we'll keep you posted and let you know what happens. Uh, (laughs) In other news on uh, on campus here, a little bit of men's basketball news. I know Devontae Kaycock was... 
keeps well is continuing to rack in, rake in the awards um, and the opportunities. I know he's playing in the Reese's All Star Game. Um, not is that this weekend? I believe that's next weekend, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not 100 percent sure. I know this weekend though he is playing in the three on three championship tournament that is in Minnesota, where. We talked about that last week where each conference has four senior representatives that go play in this kind of round-robin tournament. And honestly, overall, I don't know why the CAA wouldn't be favored with guys like Kaycock, Justin Wright-Foreman, Jarrell Brantley, and I always mess his name up, but Pusica? I believe it's Vasa Pusica. Vasa Pusica. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to try on it. <laughs> I could be wrong. I think you're pretty close. But, hey, that team should be favored, though. And, um, yeah, their first game will be against the Summit League, I believe. But I know Friday night they play – shit, I just had it, too. But I know they play the Summit League, they play the Big 12, and they play Conference USA. That's the order. There we go. So that's their pool. So they'll play that. You said Friday and Saturday? Yeah, Friday they just have the one game against the Summit League, and then Saturday they have the doubleheader. They play earlier in the afternoon, yeah. and then they play in the evening against Conference USA. And I imagine they I mean, they probably wrap it up pretty quick. I don't know if they play the, you know, the, so the top 16 advance out of the pool play and all the way down to the one champion, you know, can't imagine you play that many games in a day, so maybe it wraps up on Monday, perhaps. Either way, it looks like it's probably going to be done by the time uh, we record again. So we'll have all the, hopefully, the detailed results of the CA's path to victory in the three-on-three tournament. Yeah, and hopefully sooner than later we'll be able to have Devontae on here and tell us all about it himself. But um, another great thing for the basketball team, uh, Kai Taves, a veteran of this year podcast, he's a... Uh, one of the finalists for the Kyle Macy Award, which will be announced here, I believe, tomorrow at the College Insider Awards event that's taking place up by the Final Four in Minneapolis as well. I know that's pretty pretty great honor for him. You know, obviously we're pulling for him, but with guys like R.J. Barrett and Trey Jones and some of those names on there, I think another CAA name on there is uh, the gentleman that won uh, – Conference Rookie of the Year, Cameron Winter. I believe his name was also on that finalist list. But uh, good luck, to, good luck to Kai. Uh, hopefully, he does take that award home. I know he, like we've talked about, had a hell of a season. So, good luck with that. Um, and women's basketball news: um, some other awards. And Coach Barefoot is a finalist for an award here, a local award. Um, it's actually the 34th Annual Women of Achievement Awards that's uh, presented by the WC, YWCA of the Lower Cape Fear. And, um, yeah, she's one of 71 nominees, so that's uh, quite the honor for her. I know she's pretty excited about it. I know a lot of people here and in the surrounding area and fans of Coach Barefoot are really excited about that. I mean, it's kind of, uh, I guess, the icing on the cake for what, what a year it was for the, her and that women's team, so... We'll see what happens there. And you mentioned, I think you just forgot to uh, follow up on this because Devontae's so busy this weekend. Uh, he also got elected to play in the college all-star game, 
which is also the same weekend. Uh, he's I don't know how he's oh, going to play all this. Yeah, the Reese's All Star. The Reese's All Star game. Yeah, which I believe, I think it might be on TV. I'm not, I'm not sure, uh, but he's on the Eastern squad with again some of those CAA people like Vasa Pusicha uh, and and Jarrell Brantley as well. Uh, coached by Nate Robinson, which will be pretty cool. Yeah, It'll be hopefully someone can get a shot of Nate Robinson next to Devonte Kaycock. That'd be a fun one. Um, but yeah, that's scheduled to happen, I believe, this Friday. So. I guess that's going to be before he takes on the Summit League with the CAA. Uh, I guess that kicks off the Final Four weekend. So busy weekend for him. I mean, maybe maybe when he's done with that, he's going to have to come back to town and just kind of sleep for a few days because I don't know how he's going to get in any rest this weekend. Well, and I know he's got plenty on his plate going forward, too. He's going to have plenty of combines, plenty of tryouts and workouts. and So this is probably going to get him ready for all that. But, yeah, that's – I know, and I know he is not the type to kind of take days off or to take a game off, so I know he's going to be playing when he does get on the court. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how, how this weekend goes for him. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's crazy. They're going to have the All-Star game. They're going to have the Summit three-on-three. Three. They got two on Saturday. And then it, it says all the the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals are going to be on Sunday. So you might have three games there as well. Oh, wow, yeah. That's crazy. Or it yeah. might be four games, I guess. My he man's. might end up playing in six or seven games then, potentially, huh? If he played the three-round Robins. Yeah, eight. Yeah, because it would be the yeah. All-Star game. Wow. Yeah, he might Some be a little bit tired. <laughs> <laughs> he, might, he might foul out intentionally. Right? <laughs> Holy shit, that's a lot. That's a lot for anybody. I didn't realize that until now. Holy shit. Then, uh... Yeah, a little bit more of uh, women's basketball news. Um, you yeah, just want to give a congrats to our future Seahawks, Sunshine McRae, for earning Player of the Year honors. She's going to be here next year, if I'm correct. So just, just excited for her. Yeah, that's that's a great, great honor. Now, was that, I'm not 100% sure, is that Player of the Year in North Carolina, High School Player of the Year, or wherever she, where is she from exactly? I'm not 100% sure, but... That is a great honor. Oh, okay. In Pennsylvania. Okay, so she was uh, given that award. That's great. Good for her. I know. Uh, I know they're they're pretty high on her coming in too. So that'll be good going forward. See see what happens when she gets here on campus. So. Um, yeah, that'll kind of about wrap things up. Yeah, it's good to think about the future of the women's program, you know, with that kind of caliber of freshmen coming in. Uh, and then stay tuned for our conversation here with Gigi. She's going to be a rising senior. And uh, you're going to hear about some of the things she's got to say about, you know, kind of the chip on their shoulder. They still have, you know, unfinished business. They still have with this team kind of on the rise uh, with Coach Karen Barefoot. Yeah, she was upset by the disrespect that UNCW women's basketball team got with during the preseason, how, you know, people looked at them. And, yeah, they, they proved them wrong, I'd say. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. It'll be interesting to see that team as well. I know both men's and women's basketball going into next year. It's kind of a little more of a proving situation for the men's but for the women's I know they want to just kind of continue what they built here with coach barefoot so it'll be great to see how that uh, happens so thanks for tuning in we appreciate it uh, like Mike said stay tuned check out that Gigi Smith interview a lot of great insight uh, a lot of great information she was great check it out we appreciate you listening again this was episode three of Hawk Talk with Easy in the Beards thank you
<laughs> but yeah, thank you. First though, let's just say thank you for coming out. We appreciate you yes. doing this. You're number three, so thank you're, you. some of the, you're one of the first. So hopefully everything continues to go well for us. Thank you. But, uh, thank you for having me. Appreciate you. Thank you. But um, all right, we'll do the little intro, Mike. All right. Um, welcome. This is episode three of Hawk Talk with Easy and the Beards. I'm Easy. Beard number one. Beard number two is behind the board again. I'll give him his shout out. Thank you uh, for joining us. Today we have Gianna Smith, a.k.a. Gigi, as she goes by. Um, she is a red shirt, red shirt junior going into her red shirt she red shirt senior season. See that five times fast. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> We uh, thank you for coming out, Gigi. Um, we, uh, we're happy to have you and uh, look forward to talking with you and doing this interview. Thank you. Yes, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited. All right. So uh, we want to kind of just maybe kick things off with uh, maybe just how the year ended, maybe a little uh, self-assessment of your game and maybe some things you feel like you did well and maybe some things you want to improve on going forward. Um, yeah, the ending of the year. Uh, you know, it was definitely a heartbreaker. Didn't want to see us go down there and lose, you know, the first round. But um, things happen, you know. Everything happens for a reason. My, tem- um, my teammate Timber always tells me that. So um, I think over the year, I am um, definitely will give myself credit. I'm proud of where I was this year. Um, I watch film from when I first played in my college almost every single night, almost every game that I've played in college. And um I compared it to this year. I just finished watching film from last year, from my previous year at ODU and my year here. And I see such a big difference in who I am as a player, who I am as a person. And um, it's a crazy feeling. kind of makes you sentimental because, you know, life just goes by you real fast. And it seems like with me doing this, a whole new year just happens. But um, I definitely think I can prove on a lot of things, just being stronger mentally and tough, um, tougher for my coaches and my teammates as well. So that's most of what my offseason will contend to. All right. Awesome. Well, let's, let's talk about it a little bit more. I mean, this was one of the best seasons in women's basketball, really, history, and certainly in recent history. 18 wins overall, that was the most in the last seven years. 13 and one at home, that's best ever for UNCW ever. Uh, 11 and seven in the CAA, that was the best in the last eight years as well. So, uh, you know, Coach Barefoot, we'll talk a little bit more about your history with her, but she's come over here and in her second year has really got this program going in the right direction. Yeah, um, that's one thing about her. She knows what it takes to win, and um, she sees it in us, and she, you know, she believes it in us, will it in us, and every practice that we have. Um, the season, I definitely say, was was really beautiful. I know coming into the season, we were picked seventh for conference, I believe, and um, we all kind of laughed when we saw it because we knew what we were capable of. And I mean, surely enough, when we started the season, I mean, a lot of people were shocked, and you know, we kind of walked in like this isn't nothing new. But you know, of course. Everyone else, it is. Um, I think the biggest thing that that made our season so powerful was all of the adversity we faced as a team. I think it made us stronger because you know we went through a lot of things and we just found ways to piece those holes back together and to stay as a team. So that was really important for us this year. 
What specifically are you talking about? Stuff like, say, the hurricane that came through kind of Definitely. jacked up, you know, not just your practice schedule, <laughs> but everyone's life here in Wilmington? Yeah, um, that was really devastating. Uh, that was actually my first time ever being part of something like that, um, of a natural disaster. Uh, I've never experienced that because, you know, in Norfolk, Virginia, you know, we're always told something's going to happen and it never does. But, um, here, it actually happened, and it was definitely devastating to know that we lost 37 people in the community. I know I don't know them, but, you know, it definitely rubbed our team the wrong way. And um, I know we did everything we can volunteering this year, trying to help out around the city and just make everyone feel better. And we definitely um, picked it up. Our, you know, we missed preseason, so we had to go practice at Chapel Hill. And our main thing was fighting for those who lost, but, you know, they can't get back. And um, that was that was where we started at for our first week of practice. And you talk about Wilmington kind of being your home here. I mean, that home record, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like that, I mean, really anywhere, you know, professional or otherwise. 13-1 and one at home. Uh, again, you finished third overall, but you got, I mean, you're the only team to beat James Madison in the regular season at home. You know, the crowds kind of built as the, as the year went along. Mm-hmm. And it's, I know it's not the same as maybe yeah. what you see at, like, you the know, coming on the yeah. men's side. Yeah. But, you know, towards the, those last couple weeks at, at those home games, the atmosphere was there, wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely. Um Playing at home is a wonderful feeling. I think the best thing about it is we get so excited to play at home because we know that it may not be a lot of fans like the men's team, but we know those fans that we count on, they're always there. And, I mean, it's a wonderful feeling playing for them. And then they come out there and they get so excited to see us win. And I can't tell you, like, the amazing feeling, especially when we played James Madison and Townsend in one weekend and we got both the wins. I mean, that was probably the most historical weekend for us at home, just the feeling that we had. And my teammates being ready to take whatever they had um, coming to them in the game and just doing what they had to do. And, and it showed that weekend. It showed every weekend we play at home. So it's a beautiful feeling. I think Elon, the week the week right before that, too, mm-hmm. the defending champs, we took care of them. Yeah, we played well. them away. That was, that was actually our first, well, not our first away game, but our first conference away game. And I was really proud with how we came out because, you know, Elon was the defending champions of, what, two, two years in a row? Yeah. Is that um, so it was it was crazy. It was we came back from a sixteen point deficit. I mean, a lot of people probably counted us out once that score said forty to twenty four. And we just kinda looked at it as like, you know, this is what everyone expected. We do good non conference, come in conference, we just die down and we said we're not going like that. So we picked it up and turned it around. Seems like having that chip on your shoulder is kind of the common theme throughout all that. Now you probably don't want to make that a regular occurrence going down by double digits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, you're probably going to be a little bit more favored coming into next season. You know, how are you going to still be able to kind of maintain that same attitude? Um, So for me, I don't like to lose. So I will always have that mentality of, um, you know, they look at us as like we're not good enough. I mean, I I personally have a chip on my shoulder now because anyone in this whole entire world knows that we should have been invited for a postseason and we didn't get that. And I think we were cheated out of that for sure. I mean, I've been cheated out of postseasons for almost three years in my college career now. So um, I think for me, you know, it's just that I'm trying to do whatever I can, trying to get better now that we're – off and we're just trying to get back to that next preseason because we're off season is not the fun thing to do but um I think the biggest thing for me is just realizing that that feeling we had when we lost um getting there and then having such a great year and then it's just gone like that I don't ever want to feel that feeling again so this this is my last year I want to do it right
do you follow the the sport? I mean, the, you know, the Final Four is about to come up here. Mm-hmm. Do you still kind of keep an eye on that stuff now that you're you're st- you're not playing right now? Yeah, um, I keep I keep on it because I like to study other people and study how they play and study what they do and makes them better. Um, I know a lot of people think. You know, basketball involves like being so talented in some type of way, but I've always been fundamental. So I just like to look at the fundamental part of the game. And I feel like that kind of puts you a, a way higher than most people. That's awesome. That's great. I know you mentioned Norfolk. Mm-hmm. That's where you're from. Okay. Kind of take us back to a young Gigi and kind of that first time you picked up a basketball and really, really thought this might be something for you. Um. Okay, so... I've been playing since I was three. I'm 21 now. Um, I remember just, you know, my mom throwing it at me. She's always thrown a lot of things at me. I was that one girl that probably did everything and don't know why. I was really girly. So I actually started off with pageants and like, you know, modeling and stuff like that. And then, you know, I started playing basketball. My mom kind of kept it, it, you know, kept up with it because she seen I enjoyed it. So I was the only girl on an all-boys basketball team for about, three, four years. So where I kind of started playing with guys. And I started playing with girls, so I was about six or seven. I always played with guys. I think that was more fun. You know, it kind of probably brought my physical side out. You know, very, very bully-like, I guess, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. But um, that's kind of where I started. Awesome. So you went to, you started your high school career at Maury hmm. and then went to Lake Taylor. Yes. So I know we had talked before Right when you got to Lake Taylor, they had won a state title that mm. year before. Yeah. Tell me about playing for two different high schools because I know Lake Taylor now, they're a powerhouse. Yeah, they I mean, are. They have one of the best high school women's basketball coaches, mm. arguably, in the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sandra Sawyer. Yep, that's her. That right? That's my woman. And, um, tell us mm-hmm. what that experience was playing for her and then that transition from one high school uh-huh. to another and, and then kind of how that, that led you eventually to ODU. So playing for Sandra um, is an amazing feeling. Uh, I actually, she was actually my coach for AAU as well. There was the way the organization was set up. You know, we had a head coach. She was a part of assisting. She, you know, she was always handling the defense. That was more of her focus um, on the team. But she's a she's a powerful woman. I mean, being under her wings was just learning a lot about the game, but not even just about the game, about life. And that's kind of where it started for me, just learning about life. Um, and she kind of carried that on for me because trans, transitioning from Maury wasn't really easy. Uh, I grew up basically in Norfolk, Virginia, and um, I lived close relatively to my first high school, and then I moved up the street, and I became Lake Taylor District, but I still went to Maury for one more year before I transferred. And um, I think the biggest thing that I learned was just that um, at that moment was you have to make decisions for yourself. And I can honestly say that was probably the first decision I made for myself as a player, as a person, as a student. That was going to Lake Taylor? Yes, going okay. to Lake Taylor. Now, was that something your family was behind you with, too? Because uh, did that offer you kind of more exposure basketball-wise going to Lake Taylor? Or was it something that you really wanted to do yourself? I really wanted to do that one myself. Um, my first two years at Maury, I will always remember because they were definitely special to me. Um, my head coach at Maury was Jermaine Woods, and uh, he got the job at Virginia Tech, and then he ended up coaching me my sophomore year in college. Um, 
it started with him. He's he's like really important to me and an important person in my life. But when he left, um, I kind of just stayed for my team. I didn't really stay for myself. And I think I should have made a decision for myself at that moment. But once once my junior year ended, that's kind of when I made my first decision. And I was like, okay, I want to do something for me. So I decided to transfer. Okay, so then getting into Coach Barefoot, I believe we read she offered you a scholarship in eighth grade. Yes, she so did. that relationship and that connection has been there for quite some time. Tell us a little bit about how that started, and then obviously you ended up going to ODU with mm-hmm. her in the beginning. Kind of tell us and walk us through kind of that relationship and what, what that means to you. So um, growing up, I grew up with a lot of females that um, were really good at basketball. I mean, they it seemed like they already had the game handed to them. And I wasn't really that good. Um, I had to train every single day, and it, it definitely wasn't for my mom, you know, pushing me to go work out every day. I wouldn't be as good as I am today. So um, I want to say maybe fifth grade, sixth grade is when I really started making noise around my city. And that's when, you know, she saw me in eighth grade, but before eighth grade, she saw me play. But eighth grade is kind of where we built a little bit more. And um, she used to come watch my AAU games when she was allowed to. And I can't, I can remember the day, you know, her offering me, I got so much backlash from that. I mean, a 13 year old girl getting a D1 offer, they're kind of like, what is she going to do? You know, a lot of backlash, but, um, it kind of started there. She kind of, you know, her offering me is kind of what made everyone else start throwing it in and start offering me as well. So, well, yeah. commonplace nowadays though, you see those offers come out yeah. earlier and earlier for yeah. yeah. I think there's a there's a young girl who has amazing handles and she does these basketball videos on Instagram. She has an offer from Duke already from UNC. I mean, it's unbelievable. So yeah, it's become commonplace now, kind of. And speaking mm-hmm. of those other offers, you you had offers from State, NC State, mm-hmm. ECU, yes. uh, JMU. Yes. So was that a consideration? No. No. <laughs> they never made the cut. <laughs> oh, okay. I believe VCU too, and then yes. I know Kentucky and a, a couple other schools were looking at you, but mm-hmm. no official offers from them. Um, I actually had one from Kentucky. I had one from Richmond, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech. Um, I had a lot of good schools. It's just, uh, for me, I never cared about how big the name was. And I know growing up, that kind of meant something to everyone in my city. That just wasn't for me. I feel like, you know, I'm not saying I wouldn't play there, but I know I know for me it mattered about did I fit in? Was the environment good for me? Was it a like a family? Like, could I leave home and know that this is going to be a second home to me? Like, you know, that was more important to me. And definitely the biggest one was loyalty. And Coach Barefoot gave me that from day one when she offered me. Absolutely. So it was probably that connection with her that, that you kind of forged at a young age that led you to ODU? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I would definitely say, not. It, I wouldn't say if it wasn't for the offer, but just for her always staying after me. If she wasn't after me as much as she was, I probably wouldn't be under her wing as much now. But um, it was definitely that. I felt like her just always being persistent. She was always catching my games when they were allowed to watch you know, players play. She would always call when she can. I would be at their practices. I'll go to their home games. I mean, she always made it important every time I was around. And um, and I and I love that because that's what family does. Family makes you feel important anytime you're around, anytime you see them, anytime you check up on them. And that's what she does. And and, and you know, that kind of stuck with me. It was a lot of great coaches that that came my way that I've talked to. I just didn't feel that same vibe as much as hers. So that definitely was my decision. That's great. Yeah. She had just gotten there about the time she 
she offered you, right? But she, yeah. she was from that area yes. as well. So it's not like she was mm-hmm. foreign to that neck of the woods. Right? Yeah, she was. Um, she's from Newport News, right. um, went to Minchville. You know, that's definitely a cheap kind of, they changed the program around at that time. But um, I think the biggest thing for her was, you know, a lot of people don't believe in staying home. And I think it was so important to see someone stay home, come back home and try to help. And for me, I thought what better way than to represent my city, my state and and stay home and try to do something big. And that was really important to me as well. And so you got the last couple of years of her tenure there. Yes. Um, you know, talk about that a little bit. You know, did your family, your friends, did they show up in masses there to you and watch you play as well? Yeah. Um, you know, it's crazy. The, the attendance at Old Dominion wasn't that great either. Um, but my freshman year was a pretty good year. Our the new arena? Yes, at yeah. Ted Ted yeah, yeah. Ted Center. Yeah, it was a pretty pretty good year because, um, you know, they weren't doing really well winning prior to me getting there, and everyone knows ODU was the women's basketball was known way more than men's basketball. They won the CAA for like seventeen years consecutively. So, you know, it's definitely a new conference. You know, a new moving, new teams that you're playing. But um, my freshman year, that was the first year I went to a conference championship, and we lost. But I mean, I got there, so. I feel like um, just just being a part of that that transitioning for her was was amazing, and I've watched her coach at ODU for about three four years before I went, and watched the players that she's had. Um, one of my friends from Old Dominion, I've watched her get drafted. I've went to a couple of her games. It's a great feeling. That is that's great. That's yeah. a good story. So then, to kind of I guess we can transition into then Coach Barefoot coming here then. Yeah. So. Now, you know, obviously, you don't have to tell us what that phone call was like, but kind of walk us through what that conversation was like and kind of uh, maybe if the writing was kind of on the wall that she was kind of on her way down here or if it was something that you really had to take a step back and think about if, if this transition down here was the right thing for you and kind of walk us through what that was like. So um, I can remember this day like yesterday, uh Living on campus, you know, just had a year, loss. okay. Um, I can remember it was a lot of craziness going on that year. And um, just like a lot of a lot of talks, you know, I mean, I had to learn that college is always going to be a business. It is about winning. I understand that. So, you know, we all kind of knew the perks of that part, you know, winning, you know, extend your contract. Now, she had an extension at that time when my sophomore year before she was leaving, but it was just a lot going on. And I I remember her um, calling and just say, you know, hey, you know, checking up on me. And she's just like, you know, um, you know, you know, the town, the word is out, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, possibilities and things like that. And she's like, you know, there's a possible chance I can get a job somewhere. Would you come with me? And I'm like, you know, of course, coach, I, I wouldn't doubt it, you know, but let me, I, and she knows this too. I was like, let me look at all my options first. Because before she was getting the job, I was ready to transfer. And it wasn't because of her. It was just I didn't like the players I played with. I needed a new mentality. I needed players that, you know, actually want to, you know, win and actually care for the program and what they do. And so um, I had already had my release and I was looking at different schools. And, um, you know, she calls and we talked about it. And I was like, you know, you're definitely going to be at the top of my list. But let me make sure that... You know, there's other schools out there. If I fit there better than I think I would here, I need to explore that option. So I explored a couple options, and then um, 
I narrowed it down to two. It was here in Norfolk State, which was a MEAC school back at home. And then um, I came down here and did my visit. And I can remember, um, like yesterday, they wrote UNCW Women's Basketball GG number 10 on the beach. And I ended up committing that day. So <laughs> it was really beautiful. How much did you know about Wilmington before that? Nothing. <laughs> you know, honestly, I've known nothing about Wilmington. The only thing that I remember, we scrimmaged UNC Wilmington women's team my freshman year here at their gym. I think they were just getting into Trask a little bit more, and we had scrimmaged them. And I remember it because it was my big um, my big game as a freshman. I had a really good game that day. And I can remember their gym because I fell so hard. And I was like, what? Did they not wipe the floors or something? I was so mad. <laughs> but um, I knew nothing about Wilmington. I could only remember the gym. And then when I came here for my visit, I was like, man, all this stuff is here? Was I not paying attention the first time? So it was definitely a good feeling. It's different for everybody, but you know, it seems like in this case, obviously the, you know, knowing Karen, mm-hmm. you know, was probably the biggest part of you coming. Yeah. To would you say that's? The case? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even consider anything else. Definitely her coming here. Um, she's a great coach to be under, and and to be a part of. She always wants to see the better in you, and she knows what it takes to get you there. And um, she's so supportive, and I can't ask for a better coach. And so then talk about, you know, obviously with the transfer then, you have to sit out, but you right. redshirted redshirt last season. What's that like, you know, still being a part of the team, but not really being yeah. a part of the team because you can't play? Um, I had a lot of free time. And I didn't like it because it was something I wasn't used to. I'm used to packing my bag and saying, all right, you know, away trip. I got to go handle business. I'm used to that. I'm used to playing at home. So um, it was definitely a different feeling me. And then, you know, it's hard sitting on a bench and cheering my girls on. I'm like, dang, I can't suit up. I can't get out there and play. Um, it was such a tough feeling. Uh, it, it just It just made me go harder. And every day I just be like, all right, can this day be over? I'm getting one day closer. I'm getting one day closer. And it it definitely went by really, really slow. And I'm kind of jealous because my two teammates are red shirts now. And I feel like this year went by so fast for them. (laughs) It just felt like it just went right past them. And for me, it felt like jail every single day. But um, I took practice so serious. I mean, I can never... I can never think of the time that I've never been so serious. I've been serious before in practice and everything that I do, but I took practice serious every day. All my teammates can tell you they hated me because that was my only time to make it seem like, all right, the lights is on, I got to play. So it was definitely hard, but it taught me a lot about myself too. It taught me a lot about, you know, um, I'm a junior. You know, I still got another two years, but life is kind of coming at me fast. So do I want to play? Do I want to try to go pro? Do I want to go overseas? Do I want to go straight into a career? I have so many options, and um, now I'm just kind of learning it to enjoy my time in the moment so I won't miss it. You know, you said you kind of grew up, when you went to high school, you kind of grew up with the Old Dominion program with yeah. that kind of continuity. Mm-hmm. Obviously here in Wilmington, it's kind of people are coming in yeah. All over the place. You're not mm-hmm. the only person transferring here. Mm-hmm. Was redshirting probably a, a, a pro for you in that, kind of just to get to know everybody? Or is it better just to get out on the court and just kind of learn trial by fire? Um, I think it was a pro. Definitely a pro because um, – it's, it's different trying to transfer in and, you know, you play the way you play, but you're playing with a whole new team and a whole new set of players. You don't know how, you know, that they might like something, how they might want to move the ball, things like that. So I think it was definitely a pro for me just because I got to learn my teammates. I got to spend time watching them um, 
in practice, help them out. They helped me out with what I need help on. So it was a really good feeling because um, they accepted me with open arms and it was a really good feeling to just be a part of them and to learn something new, definitely a new environment. Um, this was the first team that I was ever on where we had a lot of different diversity. And my last team, it was like, you know, everyone basically knew each other or everyone like, you know, understood each other because they were from around that area. It definitely parlayed it into a great season. I think you led the team in minutes. So close to leading the team in scoring. Yeah, plus they're so in close. the rebound category as well. So as far as the kind of do it all, I mean, you're the go-to there. <laughs> uh, you mentioned some of the free time you had your redshirt year. I mean, so this is now your fourth complete year of college. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you mentioned to us earlier, I mean, you're, you're going to walk and get a degree here. Yeah. You've got one more year of basketball. And you said you've got some unfinished business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, talk about on the academic side as far as, I mean, you're said you'd probably going towards a master's degree. Right? Yes, yes. So um, they've been asking me, what do I plan on doing having a grad year? Um, I know that there's grad programs and everything for communication. Um, originally, I want to be a lawyer. still want to be a lawyer. I'm probably going to go for that. But um, I think the biggest thing for me now is, you know, graduating in May with my um, bachelor's degree, you know, communication. And um, they've talked about doing IMC. I really kind of want to focus on broadcasting. If I decide to do communication, I feel like I'm really good at talking with people and, and things of that sort. If not, I like to help people. I'm more of a hands-on. So either way, it kind of works for me. Um, First, got to get past this communication. <laughs> so, well, yeah, one, one month, one month. Yeah, yeah. right? Like, like 20 something days. Yeah. <laughs> I've been keeping count. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm ready. And so, rumor was that you kind of fought through an injury this season, right? Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Was it something serious, more serious than what was kind of let on? Because I didn't have any clue about it. I don't think too many people really knew. But, yeah. Um, it kind of came up after the season. Tell us tell us what that was like, kind of fighting through that and how serious it really was. Um, so it was before we started our games. It was probably maybe about three weeks before, and I hurt my leg. And um, it just felt so weird. I remember the night before I came into the training room, it was like hard moving my knee and everything. And so that next day came in and I'm like crying as he's doing knee procedure. And he's like, that shouldn't happen. So, you know, we get a, a right of, um, an emergency MRI. Um, so when we got them, the first results that came back was, you know, he felt he felt that was my ACL was too loose. He felt that my meniscus wasn't, you know, adjusting right. And I'm like, OK, I'm thinking the absolute worst, you know, because I don't already set out a year. I'm like, man, I don't want to have that feeling again. So, um, you know, a couple of weeks go by, you know, I find out I have a cartilage defect in my left knee and um it's it's just basically I don't have any cartilage under my bone where it meets the the top of my uh, tibula down here. And, you know, it kind of rubs a lot when I'm moving and doing things of that sort. Um, you know, there was talks of surgery, but I mean, I kind of told the doc, I was like, look, I'm going to have to play through it this year. I mean, it's, it's too close to, to look into something like that because, you know, typically he said I would be out four to six weeks if we did the surgery. But the way my knee felt, it was more of a six-month thing. Mm-hmm. So um, decided to just kind of suck it up and muster through, and that's kind of what I did. I was on restricted minutes for about, I think, uh, maybe just the Catawba game. And then I came out Belmont Abbey. Um, that's probably the most high. That was the most highest points I had in the game this year. And I think what led me to just play like that, I was like, man, 
I, I just was a bad feeling knowing that I might not have been out there. Yeah. But um, I'm currently still dealing with the knee injury. So um, definitely before it gets out to anybody, I might have the surgery. So I don't want everyone to be like, oh, you know, what's going on? Yeah. But yeah, I possibly might have the surgery. So, you know, keep you guys tuned if I do. Okay. Yeah. We appreciate that. Thanks. We break news here. Yeah. Yeah. Break them. Well, yeah, the last two weeks, I wish you were Oh, yeah. I know you guys are breaking news for sure. Oh, well, yeah. We on that Gene. other side. Yeah. Well, we had Gene in here last week, so. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Check that out. Yeah. I need to, I need to hear that. It's so, if the surgery does happen, is that something that you'll probably be doing sooner than later to kind of get that out of the way yep. and start rehabbing? So, I have a doctor's appointment my Monday, most likely if it doesn't go, well, I'm sure it's going to go the way I need it to go. Um, my surgery probably be as early as next week. And I'll probably be just returning back to the court like the first week of October. Okay. Yeah. Just in time. Just in time. Just in time. Yeah. And kind of going into that too, I mean, you're you're going to have a big role next season. I mean, you got yeah. some, some people leaving, some, uh, some minutes that'll be opening up and some ball dominant minutes opening up so yeah. I mean is that something that you've kind of been preparing yourself for or something that you were just born ready to do um I'm gonna say a little bit of both uh growing up in high school I was always the go-to player I mean every person on the team was probably their go-to player in high school but um for me in college I wasn't <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. No. No? Okay. Um, In college, uh, most people, you know, they go to college their freshman year, and what they're used to doesn't happen anymore. Luckily for me, it wasn't like that, so thankful to God for that blessing. But um, it's, it's, it's a really good feeling knowing that, you know, people can can count on you. Um, sometimes it might be a little sad because you might be out of it and everyone's like, where you at? But um, I've just learned now that it's not about me. It's about the person next to me. My coach always says that. So that's just where I put my focus to. Um, if I'm having a bad day, if things aren't going right, I'm just like, man, let me think about the sister next to me because it could probably be worse for her. And so I'm ready to do whatever it needs for my team to win, for my coach to get her to say anything that's needed. I'm, I'm ready for all of that this year. It's a great mindset. We're looking forward to it. I mean, like you said, with the the amount of unfinished business you have. Oh, so unfinished. Uh, you know, regular season, CAA postseason, yeah. and then national postseason. Yeah. And, the, you know, I mean, right there on the cusp and what could be next year. Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep it honest with you guys. I was not impressed with my accolade of second team. Um, I wasn't impressed with Lacey's either. I felt, if anything, you know, Sharita should have been on first team. I definitely felt that for sure. I definitely felt Lacey should have been on first team as well. Um, I know that the first team consisted of people with points, but, man, I think it was a lot more. Sharita and Lacey done a lot for this team. And um, to me, I felt like they deserved first for sure. And, and Coach Barefoot, too. I've been talking about the preseason predictions, you know, predicted seventh to finish all the way up at third, mm-hmm. you know, so a lot of people are saying she kind of got slighted for the, I think it was the Towson coach. The oh, what? Of the coach of the year. She got slighted for that a lot. She she really, really did. I, I mean, to see someone change a program when everyone considered us like low of the low. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised they even gave us seventh. I'm sure they should have just gave us you know, 10th if that's how they felt. But to see someone change it like that and that she had last year, she didn't, she didn't really have that much time. You know, she transferred in like that summer. 
that that's a lot to do for some players that don't know you, you don't know them. That's a lot. But for her, I mean, she was so dedicated just being on us all summer and, and all preseason and just working on us being together. I mean, I can't say a lot of teams do bonding, but I mean, we, we've done a lot of bonding activities. We've done a lot to, to pull our team closer. And this team right now, I mean, it, it's so beautiful if y'all can see us every day, how close we are, how good we laugh. Um, it's an amazing feeling, and um, I, I'm just thankful that we have a coach like her. She definitely should have got that one. Stay corrected. I guess the chip is still there for yeah. next year. Oh, so so there. That's good Probably a good thing. Yeah. So there. That's good to hear. Kind of on a, on a different note then, is, is it frustrating or motivating for you just kind of the lack of exposure women's basketball gets? Um... Man, that's a good question. Uh, I've been in between on that one lately. Uh, you know, I know a lot of men, well, the men that I see on social media, um, it's a lot of, you know, well, if you guys could dunk, everyone will watch. You know, if I've, heard, I've seen comments where if you guys wore booty shorts like back in the day, we'll definitely watch. Um, <laughs> it, it's crazy the, the things that they'll say, but, you know, it, it kind of it's, it's such a... Um, it's like a slap in the face, really, you know, that we can't be seen to play this sport and not get as much love as for guys. And, um, you know, and, and it's not even about the money that they make anymore, because for us, I wish they understood how hard it is to get in their position. I mean, 36 girls only get drafted. And 12 of those are the only ones guaranteed with a contract. Those other 24, they fighting to just stay on the roster. And, and I've seen some of my sisters from back home get drafted, and I've seen one of them get all the way through the training camp. But that last day, that last day, she didn't make it. And if she would have made that day, she would have got her spot on the roster. And I think it's just so tough because a lot of girls grow up and they say they want to be in the WNBA. That was my dream. You know, and now I kind of got to relax on it because, you know, like it is, a lot of the exposure isn't in the WNBA anymore. It's overseas now. Mm -hmm. So I think I think what's so hard is is just getting people to realize that we love the sport just as much as men. And um, it's not about being sexist or, you know, showing a little bit of skin for you guys to watch. I mean, it's a great game to watch females play. I know it's a lot of jump balls maybe for people. I know it's the accurate way to play defense, how to get the ball up the court. But it, it wins. We win. We play just as much as them. We play hard. And one thing for sure, guys can't take a hit like we do. Okay, they take one hit and they crying. I see it every time. I seen it on our men's team this year, okay? I seen it. They take one hit, they down. We don't do that. We take one hit, we like, all right, man, it's easy. And anyone you want to call out on the men's team? You know what? Let me call out all of them. Let me start with... um. Let me start with Gene, okay? He's the biggest crybaby I've known. He get hit one time. It's just, ah, man. We're going to have to tag him in this. Yeah, you're going to have to tag him in that one. <laughs> tag him, let him know I said it. Um, I'm going to start with him. You know, I'm going to start with Devontae, too. and get on him, too. You know, oh, Devontae he tough. He got his little toughness, but uh, I done seen him have a little, little couple moments. It was okay, though. He might have a response for you because hopefully he'll be on here in a couple weeks. Okay, let him know I was there. Let him know I said it for real. He might have a response. <laughs> My bad, D. You know, it's all love. Do you, do you think, though, that that is part of what, what makes, you know, most women basketball players play so much harder because at the end there, there's just not as much of a reward 
when it comes to the dollar amount or the exposure or whatever to where a lot of you are probably playing for pure love of the game mm-hmm. because like you said, you know, professionally there's not as many opportunities, mm-hmm. but then too they're not as lucrative as the opportunities for men. Right. So you think it's kind of it's it, it is a double-edged sword, a double-edged sword, but at the same time, I think a lot of women it is pure love of the game. Yeah, definitely pure love. I I can't say there, you know, there's one female out here like I'm trying to play to make this money because there's first of all, there's no money for us to make. <laughs> you know, our our regular job from getting a degree is where our money going to come from versus where the money's going to come from from the league. You know, we only have one league for WNBA and that's that's just like what 14 teams. The men's team, they they have like a lot of teams. They have so many states that provide NBA teams for them and then you look at us we're we're sitting at 14, maybe 12. I can't even remember the number. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's just, you know, you grow up, it, it excites us when we play. For guys, it's like if you got good athletic or if you're tall, if you whatever it is, people say, oh, man, you got a chance to go get there in one year. You know what I mean? Like for us, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you, you got it. You can go play overseas. Like none of us want to hear that first. We want to hear the WNBA because that's, that's our dream growing up. You don't – none of us grew up and said, oh, yeah, I want to play overseas. We didn't even know about overseas until we got to high school. So the hell wants to go to Croatia? Right. <laughs> and I'm a little bit scared of being overseas. But, you know, if, if that's the way I continue to play my basketball, I'll do it. I mean, we don't even have semi-pro teams. We don't even have a D-league, if that's the answer. I mean – they're, they have so many opportunities for men. I mean, bench players are making $500,000 to be a bench player. I will be a bench player, okay? That kind of money, yeah, absolutely. I will cut my hair. I will do whatever to look like a dude, and I will be a bench player for $500,000 all the time. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you there. I think we all might sign up for that. Right. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll be the manager. I know they get good money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they do. Hey, so speaking of one of your teammates, too, Shrita, now do you guys go back to your time in Virginia? I know she's from Virginia, too. Mm-hmm. Now, did you guys play AAU ball together or play against, against each, each other? other? You did? What mm-hmm. was that experience like? And then talk about, now that you guys are teammates, <laughs> what that's been like. Um, it's funny because growing up, basketball was legit in our in our state let me say that we're, we're we talk about the seven cities because there's Chesapeake there's Norfolk Virginia Beach Hampton you know the seven cities of that sort and um AAU took place in Hampton Virginia at Bullion Sportplex um there were so many different teams I played for North Express one of the top teams in Norfolk she played for um Miami Hurricanes something like that they were from Virginia Beach Absolutely hated each other. I wouldn't say I hated her. I just hated playing their team. Mm -hmm. Like, she was absolutely, this player that you've seen, this was this girl at, like, six, seven years old just hooping. She can hoop. But she was, like, street hoop. You know, you don't meet most players that are street hoop, and then, like, you bring them out. Like, they, she could kill everyone. Like, she'll just make it down the court, and you're like, dang, we just scored. What happened? Like, why is she already making a layup? Like, that's how embarrassing it was. Like, she used to do amazing things on the court, and everyone's like, man. Like, even though we'll blow her team out, it was just like, okay, you know, nobody wants to play her because she's going to make us look bad. Like... But um, then she, as we got older, you know, she started playing on different teams and her team started getting really good. It was always a battle. I mean, like, there was um, one of my friends now, we're really close. She played on that team. Her name was Gabby. When I say them two played together, it was 
it was a destroyable. I mean, they were like the best backcourt on an AAU team because they were so fast. They were skilled. They can shoot. I mean, they can they can sit you down, pick you up, everything that you can think of. <laughs> it was so crazy. And then um, just seeing her and, and joining here at this school and, and us playing together, I mean, it looked natural. It felt natural. So it was really fun to have her here. Awesome, yeah. That sounds great. So um, I know we kind of touched on this a little bit before, but I kind of want to get your take on this too. So... We had talked about the Candace Wiggins article. Mm-hmm. If anybody's not familiar with that, it was an article that came out a few years ago, end of 2017, early 2018. And uh, Candace Wiggins was a young woman <clears throat> that played in the WNBA for about 10 years, I believe. So mm-hmm. She was in the league for quite some time. And she ended up coming out with uh, her story, really, and talking about how she felt like she was kind of bullied because mm-hmm. she was one of the only heterosexual females on her basketball team right. and I know there's a lot of stigmas stereotypes mm-hmm. with women's basketball whether it's college or pro that you know a lot of people might say most women that play basketball in that aspect are you know homosexual mm-hmm. or you know and that's like I said it's a stereotype that's not my personal opinion I doubt that's anybody's personal opinion in this room in fact I know it's not so my question to you would be, is that something that you kind of have experienced yourself in a way or something that you can kind of relate to because it's something you've seen in your growing up playing basketball now that you're at the Division One level as well? So, um, yeah, uh, growing up in AAU, I was one of the only girls that was heterosexual on my AAU team. And, you know, it was kind of different because you could tell I was kind of like outcasted, you know, a lot of, I mean, we were friends, but not like, oh, you know, everyone's going to come be around me just because I don't relate to what they're normally doing or, you know, dating girls and everything of that sort. Um, but also growing up, though, I've, I've never, you know, defined myself as a heterosexual. I'm just a people person. You know, if I vibe with how you are as a person, then I'll like you. Or if you like me and you vibe how I am, then you'll like me, whatever the case is. But it, it definitely sucks, you know. And I know that's another reason why a lot of guys say, why, why watch girls when they can watch their friends play? Because, you know, they feel a lot of girls are basically turning into guys and things of that sort. Um, it kind of sucks that they feel that way because, you know, girls are girls. It's just if that's what they are, then that's what they are. I don't feel like that should change you from supporting, you know, what they do because they love basketball just as much as you do, just as much as everyone else does. Um, so I definitely think that plays a role, that stereotype. A lot of people just say, well, why watch? It's like a bunch of guys out there. And I've heard that a lot growing up. A lot of people say that exact saying. So I just think, you know, people got to grow up and change. It's not, it's not, you know, really that big of a deal. I mean, if you've... If it's not fitting for you, then just don't comment about it. Don't watch it. Don't let the world know. But yeah. putting it out there, you know, it gets everyone else started on it. So yeah, absolutely, it's pretty good philosophy. Like you yeah. know, if, if, if you know anything positive to get yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, exactly. everyone should learn that growing up. Your mother always tell you, if it ain't nice, don't say it. And that's just kind of how I handle things. If it if it ain't positive, then I just won't feed into it. Because, you know, having that negative energy around me helps me do nothing at all. So I think it's one of the great things about Wilmington, though, certainly in my experience, mm-hmm. just the whole town is just it's just a chill yeah. spot. Mm-hmm. And no one's really trying to ruffle anyone else's right. feathers. Yeah. And, there's something cool or something positive. Yeah. People tend to flock to it. Yeah, I'm definitely not used to that. So it is yeah. definitely a good feeling. I mean, growing up, you know, I know a lot of people like have a stereotype, mostly on men's, though. It's not really on women's side. You don't really hear about women, you know, 
being around, you know, the hood and everything of that. So you only hear about the men. But for me, I mean, that's my high school was built in the hood. That's where it was, both of them. And I mean, you went to a school where it was a lot of people from different neighborhoods, different, you know, parks that they claim, whatever you want to call it. But um, it's not normal being in a city. For me, it wasn't normal being in a city where everyone was positive about your success and how great you're doing and things of that sort. Wilmington is so different. I mean, you don't really have a lot of issues like that. And um, for me, it's a, it's a really good feeling because I know a lot of people back at home, they, they tend to feed into a lot of that and it causes a lot of scuffles, a lot of outbreaks, and it's just not a good ending. So it's really good. Now that now that you're here, what's uh, you know what are some of the things you do in town? Now that you now that you're a Wilmington resident, yeah. any good spots to eat or uh, stuff you do in your spare time? Yeah, so I love to eat. Um, I know a lot of people think athletes are in shape. We are, but I love to eat. So if y'all ever, please, yes, if y'all ever go out to eat, take me with you. Um, my favorite thing to do, I like to go to the movies. I love watching movies. Um, I like going to Barnes and Nobles and finding new books to read. I love to read. I'm a bookworm. And I am not that fond of the beach. I know that everyone else is, but I'm not. Um, only if it's like a lot of people there and they're having a good time, then I'll go because I know my friends will go or my teammates or something. But on my own time, I will never go to the beach. I don't like the dirt. I don't like picking up the sand. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't like the sand. Um, we used to do beach workouts and it was the most hateful day I had had out the week because my car would be so dirty and I don't like paying money to go get it cleaned and I don't like doing it myself because it doesn't work. So the beach just me and me and the beach don't get along. Um, I actually like to drive just to drive. It's a good feeling. You know, you think, listen to music, feel good and things like that. I, you know, I don't really talk about what I like to do because people don't like to do what I do. You know, everyone like to go get drunk and stuff. Yeah. And that's every once in a while, but yeah. they don't need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So in, in all your years playing basketball, I know you kind of talked about Sharita and, and some of the things you watched her do, but kind of in all your years growing up from, you know, when you were super young to now playing D1, has there ever been a player that you kind of sit back or kind of sit down when you're on the bench or come out of a game and you kind of just watch in, in amazement, like, wow, that oh. girl can play or oh. that girl is great? Um, I am not going to lie, and this is not, like, cocky or anything. I didn't admire anyone from, like, growing up. I, I like, I gave people props, like, oh, man, she's great, she can play. But I admire myself growing up because I felt like, the only person that was in my way is me, and I still feel that, that way. You know what I mean? Like, everyone's going to have their shine, but I used to always focus on myself and tell me, tell myself, like, okay, you know, you got to stay ready because your time is coming. You got to be ready to accept it. So for me, I always admire myself, but the player that I admire the most is Simone Augustus that played for Minnesota Lynx. Mm -hmm. I admire her to this day. Um, I always will. I've always watched every single game that she's played. I've watched her for college um, WNBA, everything of that sort. I mean, I love how she plays, and I, and I just study her game all the time. And and studying her game made me want to study other people's game. I mean, people who's even my age now. Like um, I study a lot of girls that's in college just because I want to see what makes them maybe a point set point sec uh, point second faster than me. What makes their shot get elevated? Like I watch other girls play, and I say, okay, maybe if I take a page from them, it'll help my game. I mean, I'm sure people do that all the time, but um. 
And, you know, a lot of girls aren't used to to doing things like that. Growing up, you know, it's easy to say, man, she's overrated. You know, everyone thinks someone's overrated. We all, some people Mm -hmm. think that, you know what I mean? That's just how it's going to be. But I will give people their credit where it's doing that. And I do that all the time. I mean, even if I still feel like they're not better or anything, I'm still going to give them credit because it's something that they do better than me. It's always something that somebody else does better than me. Yeah, kind of a mutual respect thing. Oh, yeah. I I, I try to teach all my teammates and everyone um, that you have to respect your opponent. I don't care if you think they suck. I don't care if you don't like them. You have to respect them. And um, I've never been the type, you know, that comes in and like, man, you know, I don't don't do stuff like that because I just feel like that's when they get you the most. For me, I trash talk on the game out there on the court. I will tell you that. But I won't do it until someone says it to me first. I'm very respectful until you disrespect me. But I I, I keep it respectful from jump because I think that's what players should do. Common courtesy, sportsmanship. But um, I don't take it well when people are are not not respectful. Oh yeah, I can tell you play with an edge. Watching you this past season, every game, (laughs) every game. It's, It's like that, I guess, I guess you could kind of say it's that that Kobe killer instinct, that yeah. that edge that you have during games. I mean, I just, honestly, you're one of the watching women's basketball consistently this year for the first time, really, for myself. You, that attitude and that mindset stood out to me. That that attitude that you have on the court, that business-like mentality, the way you play the game, it's great to watch. Thank you, thank you. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm really the sweetest person ever, but when I get out there. I just get mad, like, and I don't. I like contact. I don't mind somebody fouling me unless it's like out of control. Yeah, but for me, um, I don't do well. You know, like teams warm up and things that I don't do well with teams talking trash and warm ups. I don't like that because mm-hmm. I just feel like that's really disrespectful. Like you gotta at least respect us. You know what yeah. I mean? Like at least respect that we're about to go dog out at each other for forty minutes. Respect that. Yeah. And a lot of teams learn this year when you talk trash around us in warm ups, it don't come out too well for them. Yeah. Townsend did that, and they was real upset when they lost. They did that. And I felt bad for them because I told them that's not nice. (laughs) You don't talk trash about people before the game, at least during. That's great. But you know. You're giving back. You're giving lessons. I'm telling you. And I I think I've told you before, you're my daughter's favorite player on the team. So. Yay. I love kids. I love kids. She's excited when she sees you play. I love the kids. Yes. (laughs) That's great. Well, yeah, that. we can kind of give you you the floor if there's anything you want to shout out, any handles or anything. People follow you online or anything specific you want to kind of close with. It's um, all you. Definitely just want to thank you guys for having me. It's definitely a great feeling. Um, definitely want to shout out my coaches, my team. Definitely my family back at home. It's definitely... Um, I love being interviewed or anything of that sort, just talking, because it's a great feeling for everyone to be around and, and hear not just what I'm saying, but what's it about. You know, it's never about me. It's about my team. So it's a great feeling to talk about them and all the aspects we've been through. And, yeah. Awesome. Well, we're really happy for having you. Thank you again, Gigi. We Thank appreciate you. It. Thank you. I'm sure uh, hopefully we'll have you on again next time. Yes, during please. The season, Y'all should probably make me a regular. I think I bring life hey, to absolutely. the radio show. Hey, we, right? can, we can probably arrange that. GG okay. and the beers? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. There you Come go. Come on. Yeah, I, might, I might take that. All right. All right. <laughs> but thank you for joining us, everybody. This has been another episode of Hawk Talk with Easy and the Beards. Um, thank you, Gigi. Thanks.